Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Hi guys, welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Lisa Ryan. And I'm Caitlin Menzo. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. I love the Facebook group. Sometimes I go on Facebook now. Yeah. It's the only reason why I go on Facebook. I'm not even lying. It's a big new change for you. (laughs) And so please subscribe to the podcast and leave us the royal rating of a five-star review. Again, we read all of your reviews. Sure do. And you can also send us an old-fashioned email at info at gallerypodcast.com. And today we are joined by a very special guest. We have Michelle (laughs) Ruiz, who is a contributing editor at Vogue and a freelance writer who happens to be obsessed with the Royals. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. Thank you for joining us for our great episode that will hit on the following points. (laughs) Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) First, the Queen invited Doya Ragland, Meghan Markle's mom, for Christmas. Prince William took a Jaeger bomb, which sounds like me, my freshman year of college. Uh, And then we have a lot to talk about with Prince Charles. And then we have Michelle here to talk about the golden era of Kate Middleton. Yeah, it sure is. It's perennial. (laughs) (laughs) Thrilled. So first, we're going to get into a listener email. Yes. Um, Well, actually, no. First, we have a royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Which is the Syrah I found in an office desk. You're welcome. I'm sorry. It's for me. It's honestly delicious. It's It's really good. I think I like it. So it's it's working. And different from the tequila last week because I'm not already drunk. (laughs) It's a little smoother and slower in its effect. Um, So we uh, last week, you know, we read some emails from listeners who had seen parts of the royal tour and waited for hours to see parts of the royal tour and took really close-up pictures of megan which we really appreciate <laughs> um so we had said if you've ever met royals please write into us or if you've ever attended a tour like we don't the tour is over now and we're sad so please send us examples um so we got a bunch and we heard from one listener erin and she wrote an extremely long email which she <laughs> gave us permission to edit so i appreciate that long. i honestly wish i could read it all because it's written so funny and i Thank you so much, Erin. It's just, it really made me laugh out loud. So she spoke about how she lives or is, her hometown is Victoria, British Columbia. And of course, uh, the Cambridges came in 2016. So she wrote about her own anecdote. So first of all, what was very upsetting for Erin is she knew that there was going to be a Canadian tour and she was so excited because she was like, they love Victoria and they're definitely going to come to Victoria. And then she found out she wasn't, it was the one week when she would be away from her hometown. Um, so she was devastated. Um, imagine my devastation when I discovered that Victoria was not only going to be their home base for the entire tour, but they were staying in government house three blocks from my apartment. Oh my God. In the weeks <laughs> leading up to the visit, I would sit on my balcony and watch the police do practice runs of their travel travel routes, a single tear rolling down my face. Um, Luckily, (laughs) she did get to see the very tail end. Um, So the next day, so she appeared back while they were off in another town. And she said, when they weren't in town, I decided to do a drive-by of Government House. There were four men standing at the front gate eyeballing me hard. Ten minutes later, I got a text from my dad telling me to stop stalking Kate Middleton. Turns out they had scanned my license plate as I drove past, and the police officer who read my profile, can you believe they are so thorough, recognized my last name and texted my dad, who was also a cop. It's cool to know my name is probably somewhere what? in the police files of the royal visit. It's the little things, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> so Soul that, sister. So that's amazing. Um, but she got to she got to physically see them when they were at Victoria's Inner Harbor. There was already a huge crowd when she arrived. I was certain I missed my chance to get a good spot. But when the boat came into the harbor, everyone rushed to where I was. I looked above the people, and there was William's bald head bobbing above the crowd. <laughs> oh, my God. I immediately began to cry. I expected this type of emotional reaction, but I was not prepared for the rolling sobs coming out of my body. I accidentally took a video of my shoes during this moment, and all you can hear is me hoarsely whispering to myself, oh my God, it's him. (laughs) Um, So William seemed to be in a hurry and went through the crowd quickly toward a black SUV waiting near the street, but Kate took her time. She was friendly and kind and really wanted to reach as many people as she could. There was a row of people ahead of me, so I awkwardly just shoved my hand through their bodies, and she grabbed it. 
And in that moment, with her velvety smooth hand holding mine, I realized I couldn't let her see my dumb red face. So I just kind of shouted, thank you for coming, and shook her hand. (laughs) She was literally searching for my face. Oh, my God. When she couldn't find me, she said in the most loveliest of voices, oh, thank you, and moved on. I actually can't believe it myself. Um, Which is just... That's Amazing. one of the funniest and most it's relatable so things good. I've ever heard. And she said, I've never searched for press photographs of this event because I'm mortified at the thought that somebody captured my crying face, me, an adult woman. Um, it's just so great. And then she ended with some fun facts, which again, I wish I could share them all about what she has experienced and what she knows about Victoria and how much the Royals love it. I want to choose this one because I think it's just like a fun fact. My father was a police sergeant during Queen Lizzie and Prince Philip's visit to Victoria <laughs> in 1994 and was part of the Royal Escort team. He dug out all of his memorabilia for me, including his official police workbook slash schedule and the special polo shirts they were given to wear. I read through the workbook and found out that for every travel route, there are at least four other possible backup routes in case of an emergency. Dozens of roads were closed all over town during the times the queen was in transit. I love those kinds of details of how much effort goes into these things. I mean, into all of royal life. So first of all, I have two things to say. Yes. Erin, you are an amazing writer. <laughs> you should write a book or it's something. It's so funny. Like, really. But then secondly, I think this would be really nice. Like, you should join the Facebook group of Royally Obsessed and share it because <laughs> I think this is, like, one of the best things I've ever read. And mm-hmm. I want everyone to read it. So it's no so pressure, Erin. But it's a so lot funny. of pressure. And I love that one of the, like, the Royals cops or one of the other Victoria cops texted your dad to be like, your daughter's creeping them out. Is creeping <laughs> out the Royals guards. That makes me really proud of a royally, of royally Obsessed and all of our listeners. That That's the kind of dedication you bring to this endeavor of fandom is that you creep out the security guards of the royals like that's what we're all striving for right <laughs> I mean, she's a real icon i think in the royal fandom yes yeah, so thank, thank you erin thank you so much erin yes. and thank you for writing in and everyone else can do that too info at gallerypodcast.com and now we have this week in royal history and now this week in royal history so this week in royal history is actually next week but it's before the next episode comes out so it still counts (laughs) yeah we wanted to get a jump on it because it's too important not to mention yes so prince charles is turning 70 on november 14th yes and this is we're going to talk about charles a little a bit more soon um later in this episode but it's very helpful context because all of this press push is because he's turning 70. And also, we've already seen them celebrate this 70th birthday. Yeah, at the right garden before party. the royal wedding, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, right. It was the right very after. first event right they after. did. Yeah, was it was Megan in those stockings. I think it was like the first of her blush outfits or yes, one of the first exactly. blush outfits. The, the garden mesh party. sleeves. Yes. 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 Ill fitting. And so uh, his birthday is marking 50 years of him being involved in public affairs and champion- championing environmental and social issues. And yeah, there's basically just a ton of press around this. So yeah, and BBC is airing a documentary um, of his about his birthday on November eighth, which I believe is the day this episode comes out. Thursday, yeah, yeah, Thursday. Oh, yes. So if you have access to BBC, you can watch it there. Otherwise, I'm sure it'll be pirated, and you can watch it on YouTube soon. Yeah, we watched all of that documentary about the queen on youtube so <laughs> yes it's it all exists we there. don't advocate piracy but like it, it if does it's happen there, if you must like, if you must if it's there why not yeah so happy 70th birthday on november 14th um he is the longest there's a got to be a more grammatical way to say this um it's in the vanity fair piece that we'll be discussing in a moment but he's the longest waiting error in british history like he <laughs> because she's the longest reigning mm-hmm. because queen elizabeth is the longest reigning heir in british history and monarch. he's been alive mo- yes um sorry yes the longest reigning monarch then he's the longest waiting heir because he's been alive for her whole her whole reign the contrast between the two is just so interesting because well I just binged, re-binged all of the Crown season two yes. because I suddenly had some free time for like the first time in like a month. And of course, I'm going to watch the Crown because it is amazing. But, you know, she took, she became the queen so young. Yeah. And the contrast between her taking it so young and him being like relatively old for yeah. the position whenever it inevitably happens is quite striking. It's striking, yeah. And indeed. another thing I just told Caitlin that I should probably tell everyone is 
when I was watching The Crown season two, so my problem was my boyfriend and I started watching it, but then he was taking too long and I was like, I can't wait for him. So then I started lying to him and finishing it on my own. Classic. And so I thought that I had finished all of season two and I thought that the last episode was Paterfamilias, which is the episode where... Um, the prep school, the prep freezing school and, the and like rain Prince thing. Charles, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. We talked about it a lot with yeah. Catherine from Vulture on that episode. But turns out there was a whole nother episode after that. So I had a brand new episode of The Crown to watch, which was quite a joy for you. Also very confusing because I was like, wait, what's happening? I was like, what is this? I'm going to mispronounce it. Performo thing. Yes. What's what's happening? And so I spent a lot of time Wikipedia-ing it. And I'm like, damn. I mean, that is how I watch The Crown is with like my phone out reading on Wikipedia. Like, did that really happen? Or how much did like they make up in that case? Yeah. Um, When? When will that show come back? I say that every single episode because it just makes me angrier and angrier. Not soon enough. But I'm glad you found it a bonus one. Yeah. For what yourself. A, what a wonderful treat for me. <laughs> Truly. And maybe one day my boyfriend will catch up and finish it all. <laughs> He's going to find out when he listens to this, Lisa. Hopefully. That's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so now let's go into some quick news updates that we have. So first of all, I love this story. Because remember last year, before Megan had actually married into the royal family, she was invited to Christmas at Sandringham, which is quite abnormal. Like Kate Middleton dated William for years and years and years and was not allowed to attend until she was married into the family. But there was Megan holding hands with Prince Harry along that path on Christmas morning, spending the entire holiday with the royal family. And so this year, of course, she is officially a member of the royal family. And so she's going to be there again. But then... It turns out, or it's at least reported, that the Queen has actually extended an invite to her mother, Doria Ragland, to participate in all of the royal Christmas festivities at Sandringham. I love it so much. Love it to death. And I think, I mean, cynically, I kind of feel like that story is framed as like, look at this favor that the Queen is doing and look at how she's (laughs) doing something so kind and letting her... Um, granddaughter-in-law bring her mom, who would otherwise maybe be spending Christmas alone. But I think actually Megan and Doria, like the royals need Megan and Doria more yes. than they need them. That's a great so kind of image-wise or symbolically in the sense that it's like they allow them this opportunity to look nicer and cooler and more normal than they otherwise, I think, would have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that's absolutely true. I just am so happy for the images that we'll get of them like walking to church oh services. You know? Oh yeah, and also it's, it's worth a good one. noting that Kate Middleton has like a very close knit family, and they all live in the UK, and so it's not like she was spending the holidays away from her family. And so obviously we've learned over the past two years that Meghan's extended family, other than her mom, sucks. They yeah. just like yeah. freaking suck. Yeah. And so all she really has is her mother. And of course she wouldn't want her mother to be alone on the holidays. So I just think it's such a lovely thing. But I do think that's a really valid point that I never really considered until right now. Yeah. No, I think it's nice. And I don't think that necessarily they're doing it, you know, to be like, muhaha, we're being kind to Americans, you know. But I think it does sort of, they, they must calculate that every time they relax a protocol, it kind of makes them look a little fresher and more modern to be like okay we're, we're gonna let quote unquote you know non-royals come and spend christmas with us around the fire yeah i think it also sets up i'm really excited to see what that means for the rest of megan's pregnancy and those early months and years of baby sussex because i hope dory is in all of these <laughs> sort of photo ops, I hope. You know, we've seen over the years um, Kate's mom playing with the kids or walking the kids independently. Um, I honestly, I keep thinking of, like, I see those photos sometimes just through Gary Janetti's Instagram account where, where her mom is um, playing with George and he's like, Ugh. On the beach? Yeah, that. And he's like, you couldn't have combed your hair before you picked me. Like, that kind of thing. <laughs> so um, funny. So That's I really, very Gary Janetti. Yeah, I look forward to, I love the, the concept of Doria being able to play with this baby in the yard and that kind of thing. Well, also, she's rumored to be moving to London. Yeah. So that would make sense. I feel like she's just kind of like being taken into the fold and she seems like such a remarkable person so she's like, also really proven herself to them especially yeah. i mean in contrast yes as you said to their the rest of her terrible yeah. family but she's been discreet she's been kind she you doesn't know. even give an interview to oprah which oprah. is like how about just the one just i would tell oprah. oprah all of my secrets you know i mean yeah. like i know literally they're everything i've ever done but yeah so discreet that not even oprah you know she hasn't said 
in sharp contrast to everyone else, hasn't said, I don't think, anything, you know, which I guess is just a sign that she's the real deal and would never, you know, go running and and talking to to anybody. I feel like the only two people who've been completely tight-lipped about Megan have been Doria and Jessica Mulroney. Jessica Mulroney. Mm -hmm. Our mystery. (laughs) She's my white whale. I saw her on GMA again. I don't understand. I'll never understand Jessica Mulroney. And now it's, I don't have to. <laughs> it's true. She's truly riveting to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm glad I'm not alone. Yes. We're not alone. And I this. love her. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love her. I just love that. I love her Instagram. I love. Yeah. Welcome. Everything. I love everything that's happening there. I love the outfits. I love the very, very, very long pants. I feel like her kids are my kids because I don't have kids. You have kids, so maybe it's different for you, but I'm like, oh my God. Well, she's like, Donna Ivy did this. Ivy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. She hasn't said anything. No. I mean, they're best, best friends. Yeah. And you can tell that from her prime seating in mm-hmm. Windsor Castle, right? She was that's like true. sitting up closer than anybody. That's mm-hmm. true. And. Yeah, I'm just fascinated by her. I'm fascinated by this thing where, like, they were in Toronto hanging out together at Soho yes. House, and then all of a sudden one of them is a princess duchess, yeah. and she's secretly styling, or not so secretly styling her, but right. she's not really able to pimp herself out in that sense yeah. and discuss it. Mm-hmm. So she's in this weird proximity to the royal family, but having to be tactful. and Like, I just think it's funny when she Instagrams from Australia, and we're all like... We know why you're there. Right. It's not an but accident. But you can't explicitly say why. It's very odd. Kaylin, maybe one day we'll figure out who is the Megan and who is the Jessica of this group. Of this It just depends on who marries the prince. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to put that on either of us. I just I don't know. get her. And I, it's not fascination for me. It's like, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Is it the connection between the two of them? I just don't see them as friends. Yeah. From everything I see of Jessica. Yeah. Whatever. I I I know what you mean. Hmm. I can't even take us on this road Hmm. because we've gone down it before. Do you hear me saying, hmm? (laughs) (laughs) It becomes unsisterly. Yes. I think when you go down the road, there there are unsisterly thoughts that may come to mind. Thank you. That's such a beautiful way of putting. um, Yeah. Yeah. I have judgmental thoughts about it. That's what you're saying. Um, Listen. But Jessica Maroney, continue doing you. I mean, she has her own wedding Instagram as well. She's on GMA. She's on GMA now, which I think people are saying that because she's on GMA, that means she's no longer styling her because the palace wouldn't tolerate her having a GMA gig. Next week, we're going to be talking more about fashion, but... We like after the quote unquote wardrobe malfunction at the end of the tour, it would make sense that Megan would actually need like a stylist, yeah, there because she needs someone who's going to be like that outfit looks amazing, but under the light, it will be see through, which is something that that you can't really have when you're doing like a transatlantic sort of situation, or like you're going to a sports event, and so you should probably, you know, wear XYZ type of Mm -hmm. outfit where. I think Jessica Maroney, for every event, was just like wear wide leg sailor pants that are super duper <laughs> right. long because they look. And I and yeah. I really like pants like that. But I think, yeah, to your point, there's a certain expertise with engagements that perhaps she doesn't possess. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite news story that I've heard in so long happened this week. Um, it was on Sunday. Prince William, who I did not realize is the Commodore in Chief of the Submarine Service, Amazing according title. to People Magazine. He was at an event called the Submariners Remembrance Service and Parade to honor the servicemen who died in the line of duty. And so there's this one part of the event where these guys take a, like, a swig of their flask in yeah. honor of, and like toast their absent friends. And so Prince William took a swig, and then you see him laughing after, and I'm like, okay, I guess just like the taste of whiskey makes him laugh. Right. No, he later revealed to a bunch of people at the reception that it turns out that someone switched his rum with Jägerbomb. Yeah, as a Jägermeister and an energy drink. Yes. Which is disgusting. And so that would have sorted me out. I was expecting rum, and I got a Jägermeister. Jaeger bomb, and then he later told people a couple minutes later, "I'll never be asked twice about drinking. It's very important." They tried to put a Jaeger bomb in it. Imagine my surprise, burnt my throat. And when we say 
told people like he told people not people magazine right <laughs> right he would never say he that. he was chatting at this reception but i love it so much because it's so first of all just bizarre and random and then secondly like i don't know i went to college and i drank a lot of jaeger bombs like yes no good night happens when you're having a jaeger bomb I'm yeah and he knows Jersey, what a jaeger so. bomb is that was sort of my yes. thought i was like yes. oh he knows what a jaeger bomb is and he so, is we are we're, we're aligned in this simple and universal way <laughs> totally and I agree. so when i was writing about it for the cut i looked back in some of our previous um prince william coverage and do you remember last year when he got into a little bit of trouble because he went to like a club in switzerland instead of doing like a royal event that he was supposed yeah. to do and then everyone saw the video of him dad dancing which yes. i love he was spotted drinking jaeger bombs oh my god so like I this is not not forgot that. this is not his first brush with jaeger that's disgusting I and mean, we know we'd peg harry for a jaeger bomb yeah 100 percent. 100 no also you're a dad of three william <laughs> not that i'm saying that you're you know you have to take on a new persona once you become a parent but it's just funny to me um to think of william that way and also we've talked about his alcohol preference in the, the past and didn't we discuss how he used to take shots of like Uzo or something in college? No, Sambuca. Sambuca. And I was like, who are you? And now he likes beer. Well, sure. Yeah, he likes like Stella. But Sambuca and Jaeger is what, it's just to me the most disgusting things. That's what like the Italian dads of my friends on Long Island would drink (laughs) after dinner and and just ask everyone if they wanted like a little thing of Sambuca. Sambuca. (laughs) And I grew up in New Jersey where like that was the heyday of my like youthful drinking i didn't do it because i just not because i'm trying to be cool for the pod but because i don't i hate the taste of jaeger it's disgusting to me so i just think it's so funny that he is at the end of the day william is a millennial who was of the era of jaeger bombs and he knows what a jaeger bomb is i'm sad for him that he knows that today we are all prince william yeah we are all prince william (laughs) it's just it's so goofy it's also bizarre to me that this happened at like a very sober uh, sobering like military remembrance memorial event well I think it kind of goes to show um he was in the military you know he's got like that camaraderie with the other military yeah. people military yes. <laughs> the other service, service men, men and women thank you yes. I did it I did it um, so they're all like hey just pranking him yeah and for what it's worth also you know we're talking about this ridiculous thing but the next couple of days um, it's the 100th anniversary of Armistice Day so the whole family is going to a lot of sort of World War One like memorial events in the mm. next week or so I know they have a bunch of them scheduled so we're actually going to see the really all four of the main gang in the next couple of days mm-hmm. so so earlier we mentioned that Prince Charles's birthday is coming up but that means in royal world that there is like this insane press push where you just can't kind of escape ch- stories about Charles and how great he is okay so yes so since we last recorded that uh, Vanity Fair cover came out. So first of all, let's just appreciate that Prince Charles is on the cover of Vanity Fair. That's and a major deal. The photographs were taken by Alexei Lombrowski, who did the photographs for the royal wedding of Meghan and Harry, and then yes, also their engagement, their engagement photos. So I thought that's really cute. Like he's the new like kind of royal family guy. Yeah, and they move over, Chris Jackson. Yeah, exactly. Coming for you. <laughs> so the royal family has used Vanity Fair before for these sort of press pushes. Um, very memorably like in the last year alone um for i don't know if it was for her birthday or for her silver jubilee but queen elizabeth was on the cover with the court like one of my favorite magazine covers of all time let alone vanity fair covers with the corgis and that was shot by annie Leibowitz. and, and then mia tyndall was holding her purse yes that, that whole shoot was amazing and then we also of course got megan markle was on the cover last october which was a huge deal because it was like official and it you know, just a couple of weeks later, they announced their engagement. So I feel like Vanity Fair is sort of the like conduit of royal, like that's the most serious thing they do. Um, occasionally we'll see some GQ or like, remember Kate was on British Vogue, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's super interesting to see how they've worked with Vanity Fair in the last like two years. But this piece, so I finally just read it today. It is hysterical. I mean, please, please, everyone listening, go read this Vanity Fair story because there's so much to analyze here and there's so much subtext about the royal family. I wasn't expecting that when 
when um, I read it. But then you're 100% right that there's so much. It really reads like a campaign piece for Prince Charles, yeah. like, except that he's definitely going to win the majesty. Right. And there's no opponent for him. And it it was very, very overly complimentary and kind of intended to make you feel warm, fuzzy things about him. You know, there were scenes about him doing a walkabout and trying a French butcher's mm -hmm. piece of sausage and, you know, the way that he kind of goes out into the crowds and he does more engagements than any other of the younger royals, sort of framing him as the, you know, keep your nose down, hardworking royal. Yes. He refuses plastic straws and I think they likened him to Adrian Grenier, which really, yes. really <laughs> made me laugh. Decker. I was like, I, I'm not sure that that's a favorable comparison <laughs> for you, Prince Charles, but okay. And right. I guess it just, it read very much like a praise piece for him. And it didn't even really touch on the fact that there have been plenty of times over the last decades where we have not liked Prince Charles. And I would have liked this story better if it had at least acknowledged that and it probably wasn't allowed to, but I think if it at least had touched on it a bit, that this was why you know we're doing this kind of yes. piece about you is to sort of counteract some of the negative perception of you from the past. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely be interested to read something that kind of traces his personal growth from like guy who marries woman he did not want to marry, and then kind of you know like drags her through the mud emotionally and yeah. has an affair mm -hmm. and blah 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 and like then he gets to the point where you know he's so happy with Camilla he loves his family etc but we didn't really get to see that but I did think that of all the stories I read about this article Lainey Gossip had like the most insightful one yeah. because she said that like first of all it positions him like to be like you know liked as someone who's going to take over the crown but then also it kind of reads like from what he says like a slight hit job on his sons yes There's which as you know a lot of shade very angry yeah like a lot of shade was thrown yeah. about how he has so many more engagements than they do and i guess that's fact like yes that's, he mm -hmm. has done way more than they have done which you never know year. because all you care they about don't get covered are the kids but yeah yes. yeah and then they just talk about his work ethic and then they kind of contrast him with the younger royals just to show that like oh hey we're all like focused on harry and william and their families but like look at charles he's actually getting stuff done and so that was really interesting because it's like well dude, it's not an accident right yeah but it's like dude you're gonna be king do you really need to like go out of your way to kind of Insult subtly and not so subtly like shade your sons yeah and i felt like i felt it was a missed opportunity to not at least then use the kids to your yes. advantage and say like in the same way that you're saying about his personal growth or evolution if if that happened over the years well what about you as a dad and how did you yeah. parent these two boys without their mom after this tragic loss how are you as a grandpa what do the kids call you which i think they call them grandpa whales yeah. i just saw yeah but, <laughs> it's very formal you know very formal <laughs> um but I think it was a missed opportunity not to use them because I was thinking that one of the most humanizing and kind of warm moments for him was the royal wedding where he walked Megan down the aisle yes. and then back to our favorite person, Doria, he yes. escorted her back out of the church. And I thought that was a really nice moment. That did more for my opinion of Charles than this piece did to yeah. say, okay, well, that was really kind of nice and gracious of him yes. to be there for this family when her own dad sucks yeah i mean if he popped up again we were talking about the the photo in like the image that is to come of dorian potentially at christmas going to christmas services if he did something where he like popped george on his shoulders <gasps> i would fall apart so like that's accessible to him i just gasped i know exactly <laughs> both of adorable them, i'm not just complimenting myself both of them just fell back in their chairs when i suggested <laughs> that um but truly like there are things you can do to get good press so i don't know why you won't do them if that's what you're so worried about or maybe he doesn't want to be seen through the vein of those boys. But again, that is the best version of him, in my opinion. And yes, that's an, as an American fan of the younger people. But I do think that's real. And think about also, I think one of the best press moments of his life was, and maybe this is, again, I'm seeing it through the, the vein of that movie that came out in like 
whatever it was, 2006, The Queen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when it's a depiction of the week after Princess Diana's death and how well he handled it. He's like the hero of that movie. You know, he's the one who tells the boys and he's the one who goes to collect her body and bring it back to the UK. And um, he really comes off the best in that whole movie. She, like Helen Mirren as the queen is the sort of uptight one who won't get with the times. And Charles is the kind one. And I'm like, that's that was the best version of you is you as a good father because these boys are amazing. So you did do a good job. So why not be proud of that and use that as an example of your leadership possibilities instead of shading your own kids in Vanity Fair? Yeah, because no one actually cares. Again, maybe it's just us, the like pop American fandom. Right, right. But I don't care that you do more engagements than they do. I guess it shows me that, that yes, you're just kind of like a hardworking guy who – Yeah. Hardworking in quotes for a royal, <laughs> hardworking guy who's kind of keeping her nose down and doing what is the right thing in this in this role. But I feel like it was a huge missed opportunity, and I also felt like, you know, why are why are you not talking about yourself in this way that we all want to know you? And I also just think that at the end of the day, it's probably less that we feel that we actively dislike him is that we're just lukewarm about him yeah. in comparison to his kids I don't know and anything their about him. where as a young American here's what I know about him he cheated on his wife and like the tampon thing and like, <laughs> I was tampon tampon thing. Things, like so... all like I just know bad things and so I'm ready to listen like I you know I of Lisa between the two of us I take this slightly more controversial stance of like Yes, he cheated, but I'm like, okay, but those two crazy kids are really in love or whatever. Um, and I'm like, no, goodbye. <laughs> but no, but here's the extreme example. And this, you know, just to go to the Camilla place, to go to the affair place for a second, um, this, that's all we know about them. And that's what, about Charles. And that's what a lot of people hate about Charles, because that is what they know, is that he cheated on Princess Diana and made her sad. And that is what we, that's how we will remember him. Or have remembered him. Um, the piece is so weird about their relationship. If you were an alien and you dropped from the sky and you had no idea who these two people were and you read the piece, they jump. They never say that it was an affair. They talk about how they met when they were kids, basically, and how they liked each other, but it wasn't right. And then they jump right to them getting married. And I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, hi. And then at the they only kind of refer to the Diana thing, and they just say that it was really, really tough for her, which is the most tone deaf for Camilla. Like, that period of time in the 90s was Poor really Camilla. tough for Camilla when everyone was talking about her. And I'm like, it reminded me of a couple weeks ago, Giselle Bunchen gave an interview where she talked about how um, oh, yes. Bridget Moynihan's pregnancy was so tough for her. Now, for people who don't remember... Tom Brady <laughs> left his pregnant wife, Bridget Moynihan, yeah, to be, thank you, his pregnant girlfriend to get with Giselle. And yes, Tom and Giselle are like very happy and have a beautiful family, whatever. But Giselle was like, oh yeah, her pregnancy was really hard for me. And you're like, oh, you mean you're, you were the mistress and your boyfriend's original girlfriend's already happening pregnancy was tough on you? Right. Right. When he left you in front of the whole world. So for Camilla to like and her people, they interview her nephew and he's like, oh, yeah, that was that time was really hard for her. And she avoided the TV. And I'm like, well, yes, I bet she did avoid the TV. But like because she home wrecked. So I mean, it's not to rehash. It's more like like, you're not super happy about their relationship. It was such an elephant in the room. It was an elephant in the room. It really was. It goes to show that they're still not ready or they still haven't figured out a narrative of how to retell that story. Because I think that Camilla actually has like a good approval rating when those sort of like polls come out. And I think there is a way for them to retell this and say that like not let bygones be bygones, but like that was a mess, but now we're really happy and now we work really hard. There is a way to tell that instead of just pretending it didn't happen and talking about how Camilla's nice to the help because that's what they do. Yeah, and I think if Charles is going to be on a charm offensive, it's sort of like a PR PR thing to address that elephant in the room before because otherwise everyone's thinking it when they read that piece it's in between it's the subtext and it's between all the lines so if you don't address it it only kind of fuels this actual conversation right now had you maybe addressed it i guess it's so not british and so not royal that's true to have addressed it but it's there's a definite argument for addressing it and saying even if it's in a super um official kind of vanilla way like 
I have made mistakes in my life and I have grown older. I'm a 70 year old grandpa and Mm -hmm. now I'm a good person and I just want to serve this commonwealth. I mean, there's a way to spin yourself while acknowledging some of the issues. But I think for some reason, this also reminded me a little bit of like a George Bushification Mm -hmm. of Charles (laughs) that people want. It's the same concept to me in that it's someone who was a controversial figure, not necessarily well-liked, but then they just got older and grayer and they've still remained around (laughs) and they've been relatively quiet. And then now it's kind of like, okay, you're cute, we'll keep you. Like, oh, he's painting. <laughs> like, he's he's h- holding a stock and walking through weeds. Yes. All right. That's such a funny comparison to me. Because I'm like, think about George Bush now. When he pops up, he's, like, giving candy to Michelle Obama, going to his daughter's wedding, or painting dog portraits. Right. Like, by comparison, Charles, like, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, have Charles, like, hold a baby, and I would be much better with him. Like, it's yes. fine. Um, so yeah, it just, it's so interesting. And I also wonder how his image is going to change once this season of the crown that I've never wanted more than anything in my life finally airs, because (laughs) we're going to see the beginning of him and Camilla, which depending on how they choose to depict it could actually help him and Camilla again, because we'll see them falling in love and being like star crossed teenagers or whatever, however they choose to do it. Um, he should be happy about it. Yeah. I guess but that's what I'm saying. We need to get into a different Vanity Fair article. Yes. Not oh, to wow. make this a completely Vanity Fair <laughs> episode, but Michelle, you wrote one about Kate and her kind of golden era that we're entering. And we're so excited to talk to you about this. Yes. Yeah, and I quoted one Caitlin Menta, <laughs> a royal expert in the story. Sure did. Yes. That might have... I'm not saying that's why you're here just because you put me in the story, but it certainly helped. But it's a super interesting topic. So what what is the sort of story about? Yeah, so the story is kind of about, it was inspired by the fact that Kate was on maternity leave for the last six months, with the exception of popping up for the royal wedding and, and things like that. But she was largely, in terms of her royal engagements, on maternity leave, this long maternity leave. And around the beginning of October, she was coming back. and the kind of royal order that she was returning to now had a new official member in Meghan and a sort of new era taking shape in the sense that now it's she and William Mm -hmm. and Harry and Meghan. And kind of now that there's the four of these young royals and not just Harry as the third wheel, how are the four of them going to interact? What What are their particular roles going to be going forward now that she's back. Mm -hmm. And I think we sort of saw her come back, as you mentioned, Caitlin, in the story. We saw her come back in and seem a bit more confident and at ease in her role maybe than we have seen before. You know, she came back and did that wildlife event with kids and was laughing (laughs) and was very at ease among children, which I think is a huge strength of hers to be around kids and just lean into the mom role that she plays. Then we saw her go to the V&A Museum and the Erdem dress and just look glorious and super kind of yeah. fashiony that we don't normally see her in this way. And she just seemed to have a certain confidence about her in these events coming back that made me want to look at where she's going to go from here. And I think in a way she's sort of graduating to level of a sort of unofficial level two. Now that she's been, she's kind of served seven or so years within yeah. the firm and now she's kind of moving on to the next phase where she's not going to be at every single ship opening. She can maybe choose her things a little more wisely and and be a little bit more targeted in what she does while William, while rather Harry and Meghan have their own ventures and their own things where they can be a little bit more um, liberal as far as the royals yeah. go and a little bit more um, independent with what they're up to. So it was kind of a, a look at where does Kate fit into things? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, I so that Airdem dress. If you guys aren't remembering, it was the um, like tweed maroon thing with all of the brooches and everything, and the oh, little yeah. like flared skirt, um, which someone compared to that she looked like a Samantha doll from the American Girl dolls. Yes, <laughs> so that's my mental. I image think it was Elizabeth Holmes. It was Elizabeth, it was Elizabeth Holmes. Holmes. Yeah, <laughs> um, I just it's so true, and I loved it so much. Um, so it's really interesting because I think. Every time I've seen her lately, and obviously not in person, but in pictures, she just looks so happy. And I don't want to say that it's just because she has now like three kids, because I feel like, you know, that's not her whole identity or anything like that. But it just seems like she's in this new place of like confidence and ease. Mm -hmm. And so like, what were people telling you? Like what? 
what are they seeing with Kate? Like behind the scenes, in front of the scenes? Like They were on? seeing just that. They were seeing kind of a new level of confidence and ease. Because remember, she, unlike Megan, who is a humanitarian, was a celebrity, had given speeches to, before the UN, yeah. has this amazing comfort in this role that, I mean, kind of is perfect for this role. Kate, you know, met him when she was a 20-year-old college student in a mesh dress at a fashion show, <laughs> and she's a regular woman up until yeah. marrying into this family. So she has a, at a much steeper learning curve, and I think in terms of just her personality, it seems like she is not really one to give a speech or be super vocal. I think it's combination of her personality, combination kind of the role she's in as being married to the future king. But people were saying that even in light of how she's normally been, she kind of came back with a kind of pep in her step. And she was laughing and throwing her head back and kind of bringing it fashion-wise and had a sort of confidence, especially at that evening event at the V&A where people who were there said that she kind of walked in, head held high, yeah. was mingling. She was she was on her own. She didn't have William there or another royal there. And she kind of like rocked the night on her own, which is not something that we really necessarily know her to always be doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No shade to her because I love her. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> but she's not the Megan who is going to give a speech on feminism. And she's not going to I mean, the, the amount of times that Megan has spoken publicly in this short time frame is probably yeah. more or the same as Kate in seven or eight years. So I think people read very much into the things that she's done, even in a couple of weeks, as, see, as seeing a difference and a little bit of a departure from being more shy and reserved in the past. I mean, even just looking at her, you know, we're we don't know, obviously, what's going on in her head, but just looking at her as we do and as I'm sure our listeners do whenever she pops up at an event, she just looks better and happier. Yeah, her highlights are fantastic. <laughs> totally she has that. great new hair. Her hair is um, great. But she just looks lighter, which is such a subtle thing. And again, we see so little of these people at the end of the day. We analyze and it's fun. We see so little of their full 24-hour lives, but she looks happier. She just looks like warmer and she's like laughing more easily. And it's just, it's very striking to me. And yeah, it's only been a couple of weeks, but and I'm excited. One thing that really bothers me is when people compare her and Megan, because they're two entirely different people, but they're always like trying to pit them against each other just in the same way they would do any two powerful women who are slightly loosely connected. So what are you seeing with that? Like, is there any competition there? So I very naively, you know, posted this, <laughs> posted this story to Twitter because I love both of them. And I know a lot of royal watchers, like you guys love both of them. You know, Elizabeth Holmes, who we're talking about, Abby Gardner, or Glamour. I know a lot of royal... I hang out with a lot of royally obsessed people, and <laughs> good, they are—they love both of them. The best people. The best kind of people, and they love both of them. And then what happened was that we posted this story, and Vanity Fair and I saw hundreds of people in, in our Twitter mentions that were basically having a war between Team Kate fans and Team Megan fans. And I, I guess evidently what I've learned is that there are some, at least some fans, who are obsessed with one of these two duchesses and then hate the other one. So they were sort of sniping in the mentions, like Team Kate was kind of pulling rank over Team Megan and saying, look, you're never going to be, you're low down in the rank, you're six, you're married to the spare, you're oh never going God. to be um, queen and all this stuff. Whereas the Megan fans were kind of like, Kate is work shy, as the Brits say, like she is not bad. Me too. Super, <laughs> aren't we all? hugely work shy. But, you know, she's not as, she's not as, I think, out there as Megan is in terms of giving speeches. And she's not as confident publicly, frankly, I think as Megan is even in a super quick period of time, or maybe she's getting there in her own way. But I think you're right. It's so, I hated the, I hated seeing this war because it's so sexist. It's so reductive that we have to pit yeah. these people against one another. And I don't understand why we have to even hold them both to the same standard when, if we are gonna be kind of traditional royal, reporters about this, there are totally different expectations on both of them in a sense where, yes, Harry and Meghan are not going to be king and queen. And so they can, she can give a speech about how feminism is fairness. And she, I think, will have a lot more leeway in what she can do. And I think Kate and William will have to be more reserved and have to sort of be 
this kind of symbolic presence of of stability and continuing the monarchy after Charles and Elizabeth. So the queen rather. So it's it's almost weird to compare them and also they're just two different women. I think Kate Middleton even if she wasn't the future queen consort is just a more conservative and shy person and so she's not going to have the same confidence in the public eye that a humanitarian and actress does. Yeah, 100%. I'm mm. also disappointed just to hear that I always think this like team Megan team uh, Kate thing is something that like the media does. I mean, we're all writers in the media, yeah. but I always that's like such a reductive like basic take, but to hear that actually people in your mentions were like fighting in a really in a very real way about these two women is even up till upsetting. today. Even up till today, there was still I was still getting a couple of mentions of people just belaboring the points and oh. being like, Megan left the market early. And it was like, oh my God, she left because of security. You That's know, so just weird. reading into every one of their moves and sniping at each other. It is disheartening. Wow. Ugh. Well, before we adjourn the royal pod, we have to do our highs and lows. Yes. It's time for the royal highs and lows. So I'm going to start with my high, which is always one of my highs because it involves Chelsea Davy. Oh yeah, I that one. am always obsessed with. <laughs> so basically, um, it was just Halloween, and Beatrice, Princess Beatrice, and Chelsea Davy attended a Halloween party, and they wore like Halloween outfits. But the best part of it is it was a Casamigos Halloween party. Of course, it was. Like, there's no way of escaping Casamigos. <laughs> the royalty is so Casamigos. Like, way to go, George Clooney and I Randy love Gerber. It so like, much. Way was to it go. served? It was served at the royal wedding, right? Um, yes. Did I just make that up? No, no. it was served okay. at the reception. George Clooney okay. was carrying it around. Right. He was dancing with Megan and Kate. Like, I think they have mint, like branded mini fridges in all the rooms at Buckingham Palace. Princess Eugenie's husband is the brand ambassador for the UK. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. Know. Wow. We are not... living in a Casamigos world. <laughs> it's so weird. They can sponsor us at any time. George Clooney is going to be, I mean, they're going to pass over Charles for George Clooney yeah, and Casamigos, I think. I'm, I'm intrigued by that as well. Um, just so funny. Um, so my high was, um, yeah, this happened right after we recorded last week. But speaking of Kate Middleton being looser and more relatable, she popped up at a surprise. Like this was um, sort of unannounced, but she went on a really incredible visit to the Imperial War Museum in London. Um, like I said earlier, there's a lot of events running up into Armistice Day, the 100th anniversary of, of it. And she went to the visit, to the, I'm sorry, she visited the museum and she viewed letters um, from the three brothers of her great-grandmother, all of whom died in service of World War One. And it was such an incredible day to be following Kensington Palace on Instagram, which you should be doing if you're not already, because they ran images of the letters um, between from her brothers back to their mother. And it's the heartbreaking telegrams where each of them passes away. And actually, the King of England wrote a letter to her family saying, we're so sorry that we took three of your sons like really incredible and of course then she married into one of king george's descendants um it was such an incredible event and kate middleton managed not to cry reading these letters which is an impressive act um and she, of course she looked great and she rewore a dress from the canada tour and just a extremely extremely solid kate middleton event and a great example of what we're talking about here and what's your high my high was the 92-year-old queen riding her horse <laughs> through Windsor Castle. Um, I mean, I'm 37 and I'm really scared to get on a horse. And here is this nanogenarian riding a horse just effortlessly in her headscarf. Just, you know, the the classic amazing queen. And, and I think back to Prince Charles for a second, it's like, well, this is why we're also not excited about a King Charles because it means that the queen is no longer with us and nobody wants that. No, and so just to see her so fun. well and riding a horse, it's like, well, Charles, you're going to be waiting a while longer. It's so funny. And so this, we're looking at a copy of the Daily Express when they wrote this up and they pulled back into the archives and talked about her love of horses and said in 1974, she said, I suppose I first began interested in racing during the war. I'd never felt the satin softness of a thoroughbred before. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing. 
It's oh so God. creepy. Horse girls. Uh, I love it so much. <laughs> Horse girls. So that's why I saw it. And so my low is just that the royal tour's over. I miss my daily pictures of Harry and Meghan. Yeah, that's a fair it's withdrawal. one. Withdrawal. Yeah, that's yeah. a fair one. I don't know if I have a low. My low is this missed opportunity of the Vanity Fair story. Okay. Though I clearly, it gave me a ton to think about and a ton to analyze and discuss with you guys. So I'm happy for that. And I'm happy and I'm sort of excited for this big press push. But I'm disappointed by the way they're handling it so far. And Michelle, what about you? My low is the rumor that's been circulating about the Kensington Palace, William and Harry... I can't get the foursome. I can't say the foursome <laughs> at all. Kate and William and Harry and Meghan um, comprise Kensington Palace. And the rumor that, that their courts are going to split and that Kate and William and Harry and Meghan are going to have their own separate staffs and sort of their own separate operations while still doing some things together. And we were talking about it a little bit earlier, and I think this makes perfect sense. It's totally logical. It used to be that these two single brothers were together under the same sort of umbrella. And now that they both have wives and children or children coming, it makes sense that they would kind of peel off. And again, to the point that Kate and William have to be a little bit more state and conservative in their ventures. But the reason it's my low is that I just think it's going to fuel this whole narrative of competition between yeah. the two of them. And I'm already preemptively not happy with that war narrative because this yeah. is just my happy space and I want it to remain that. I don't want to read stories about how they're jealous and competitive with one another and I think it's probably not true but this if the courts do split it's just going to fuel that. Yeah mm -hmm. that's true. Totally. Bummer. Um, bummer. <laughs> we can we can lift up though. We have things to do that. Yes. Um, so you guys can drop us an email at info at to ask us any and all questions about the Royals. And please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Here's a real review that we just so happen to have right in front of us. Oh, <laughs> this my is, gosh. This is the thing that I think can cheer us up now How at the random, end of the episode. a random review. Um, the subject is finally a community that celebrates my love of all things royal. Welcome from <laughs> Mare Mares. Um, they write, I have been in love with the royal since I became aware of the amazing Kate Middleton in 2010 and then negated all schoolwork to stay up and watch the Will and Kate wedding, the best wedding of my life, mm -hmm. in 2011. The podcast covers everything I want to discuss concerning the royals, including current updates, history, fashion, and any royals adjacent news. I highly recommend listening if you love chatting with friends over drinks about the lovely lives of Will, Kate, Harry, and Meghan. Yes, Welcome. That's Thank so you. nice. That's yes. so lovely. What a nice, positive thing that everyone should say about <laughs> us. Just go ahead and say the exact same thing, but maybe change a few words so it's not the same. Um, <laughs> but you guys can follow the show on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. You can follow me, Lisa, on Twitter and Instagram at Lisa Raya and read my writing at The Cut. You can follow me, Caitlin, at HeyKmenz, H-E-Y-K-M-A-N-Z on Instagram and Twitter and read my writing at CaitlinMenza.com. And Michelle? I'm on Twitter at Michelle Ruiz. Michelle with two L's, R-U-I-Z. Excellent. Amazing. Um, and so until next week, God save the pod. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and thank you for being here. Thanks oh, for yeah. having me. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. How fun. Oh, lovely. Oh, my God. So fun. <laughs> I love it. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.